0: So Genesis chapter 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, And he counted it to him as righteousness. Well, we're going to look at that together. But before we do, let's pray and ask for God's help. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we bless your name today. Just as we have sung and we are reminded of your grace and your compassion and your kindness, uh, your mercy, your faithfulness, your love. Uh, We praise you and we thank you uh, that we can gather today and in your grace You minister to us by your spirit. And so we pray that as we study your word now, that you would do exactly that, uh, that you would uh, show us more of who you are, um, that you would implant deep in our hearts the truths of your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder, are you stressed? A recent report by uh, AXA UK revealed that an incredible £28 billion was lost last year to workplace stress, burnout, and poor mental health. The report says this, that almost one in two people, 46%, are feeling overwhelmed and uncertain about the future, And the UK's cost of living crisis seems to be having a particularly negative impact. Now, stress can be caused by all sorts of different factors, can't it? It may be work-related, it can be uh, finance-related, it might be because of strained relationships, or it could be caused by uh, the challenges of parenting. And there are a variety of ways that we might look to deal with it. Exercise, sleep, diet, talking therapies, they all have their their place in, in helping us relieve the stress that we experience. And as Christians, our perspective on God has a huge part to play when it comes to dealing with stressful times. You see, stress amongst God's people is nothing new. Even back in Genesis, God's people knew what it was to feel overwhelmed. And we only need to look at the beginning of chapter 15 uh, to see that. Where here in Genesis 15 we discover a stressed-out Abraham. Now, if you remember last week we, we were in Genesis 14. Uh, and we saw God uh, bring about a miraculous victory uh, as Abram and his men took out four powerful kings and their armies and rescued his nephew Lot. Uh, it was another high point in the story of Abram as he gave God the glory for his victory uh, and he resisted the temptation to hold on to the riches of the king of Sodom. But despite that high point, at the beginning of chapter 15, we find Abraham down in the valley, emotionally overwhelmed. If you look with me at verse 1, after these things. Now, now that phrase is often used in the Bible to, to describe the passing of some time. And so evidently, we, we pick up the story sometime after the highs of chapter 14. Time had passed and nothing much had happened. And sometimes it's when things are in a bit of a lull that our thoughts can turn in on themselves. Uh, certainly, that was true in the pandemic, wasn't it? People had time on their hands and there wasn't much going on. They had time to ruminate, time to grow anxious, time to play out scenarios in their heads. And evidently, from God's words to him in this verse, Abraham, with time to think, he had grown fearful. Now, why would Abraham be afraid after such a stunning victory? Well, for one, he'd just made some very powerful enemies. Uh, there were some neighboring kings who were far from happy with him. And evidently, in those quiet moments of inactivity, he had time to grow anxious about what they might do, about how they might seek revenge. And at the same time, he was still waiting around for God to act on his promises. He'd turned down the king of Sodom's riches, but still there was no sign of God's provision for him. He was fearful, fearful that that his past actions might lead to reprisals, and fearful for his future, fearful about whether he would have what he needed to survive. And those fears, they had caused him to lose sight of God. Now, maybe they are fears that you can relate to, fears of what others might say or do, or fears about whether or not you'll have everything you need, Fears related to worries about protection and provision. Those were Abraham's fears. And it was into those fears that God spoke, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Fear not, Abraham. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Now, Think about how God could have responded here. Abraham, I am tired of all this. I've just given you a resounding victory over four kings and their armies that that Denzel Washington and Liam Neeson would have been proud of. I've promised you I will look after you. And yet here you are worrying about what might happen. Where's your faith, Abraham? Where's your trust? I'm so disappointed in you. Well, these words in verse 1 are nothing like that, are they? What we have here is a wonderful insight into the character of God. He addresses a fearful Abraham with gentleness and with compassion and he responds directly to his fears. Now, Abraham was fearful about military reprisals, and God gives him a military image. He promises to be his shield, his protection. And he was fearful about his future survival. But God promises to be his provider, his very great reward. He met Abram in his need. He promised him protection and provision. Our view of God has a huge part to play in how we handle stressful situations in life. If we have a wrong understanding of who he is, if we think that he is a God who is constantly dissatisfied with us, a God who is frustrated with us when we fail to measure up, then that will compound our stress. But if we see him for who he truly is, then that will bring great relief. Dane Ortland writes, the God of the Bible is not a God who delights to give us orders and then stands back waiting for us to execute like a scrutinizing athletic coach. The God of the Bible finds his deepest delight in meeting the needs of those in desperate straits. We have a God who delights in meeting us in our weakness, in our fears. And that's exactly what he did with Abraham. And yet, despite God's promise... Abraham just wasn't hearing it. He responds with a complaint, verse two. But Abraham said, oh, Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, behold, you have given me no offspring. And a member of my household will be my heir. Abraham complains. And he complains in detail. Clearly, this was something that he had spent a lot of time thinking about. He complains that he still has no child and that everything will end up going to one of his servants. He'd worked it all out. He even had the name of his heir, Eliezer of Damascus. Now, Eliezer, he wasn't even some random cousin. He, He wasn't even a second cousin twice removed. And yet, in Abraham's mind, he stood to inherit everything. The problem was, Abraham's present circumstances had become so overwhelming that he had lost sight of God's promise. He was exasperated. He was frustrated. He was stressed. He could not see how things were going to work out. His circumstances were a million miles away from what God had promised. And yet notice, even in the midst of his circumstances, he directed his complaint to God. He had faith in the midst of his frustration. And this is a great lesson for us when when we face stressful situations, when things are hard. The temptation is to become consumed in our circumstances, to try and find solutions within ourselves, or to become hopeless. But wonderfully, as Christians, we have a God that we can complain to. We can bring anything to Him in faith and know that He hears us, But he doesn't just hear us, he answers. And that's exactly what we see happening here. In response to Abraham's complaint, God doesn't lose patience with him. He responds just as emphatically. Look with me at verse 4. Abraham says, behold, look. And behold is the response. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir, your very own son shall be your heir. Now, Abraham had been fearful because he couldn't see a way forward. But God responds with clarity and reassurance. He deals with Abraham with kindness, not impatience. He makes it very clear that Abraham's heir would be his very own son. That's an incredible promise considering Abraham's age but he doesn't stop there. Look with me at verse five. And he brought him outside and he said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. God brings Abraham out to gaze at the stars, to take it all in. Now, if you've ever had the chance to to? get out of the city from all the light pollution and and just look up on on a clear night, a a star-filled sky, it's incredible, isn't it? You get a real sense of how small you are and how vast the universe is, how there are far too many stars to count. And God makes this extraordinary promise that the number of Abram's descendants would be like the stars. Too many to count. And this old man, with no children of his own, he hears God's words. Words that in the light of his circumstances must have seemed so unbelievable. And we read verse 6. And he believed the Lord. And he counted it to him as righteousness. Abraham showed incredible faith to believe an extraordinary promise when there was no sign of it yet being fulfilled. He trusted God when every earthly indicator would have given him every reason not to. And God counted it to him as righteousness. And what we have in verse 6 is one of the key verses in the entire Bible. It's a verse that's quoted on four occasions in the New Testament. And it's a verse that reveals the scope of God's promise to Abraham. You see, Abraham, he did become the father of an earthly nation. He fathered a son, Isaac, in his old age, and his descendants would form the nation of Israel. But the extent of Abraham's descendants go way, way beyond that. In the New Testament, Paul explains in Galatians chapter three verse seven that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. The true children of Abraham are not ethnic Israel. it is those who share his faith. It is the church. It is a faith that trusts, In the promises of God, despite our circumstances. A faith that believes that what God says is true. A faith that is counted to us as righteousness. We've seen already that Abraham, he wasn't perfect. Far from it. Even in this passage, we see how his his faith wavers. How he he struggled with doubt and fear. And yet God declared him righteous because of his faith. Now, how can God do that? How can a holy God declare someone righteous? Someone who sins. Someone who's not perfect. Someone like Abraham. Someone like you. Someone like me. Well, because... It wasn't the strength of Abraham's faith. It was who his faith was in that mattered. The same faith that Abraham had is the faith that his descendants have. It's faith in the promises of God fulfilled in God's very own son, Jesus. In Jesus, we have the promised son one like Isaac, who was born in a miraculous way. In Jesus, we have one who lived a life of perfect obedience to his heavenly Father, yet chose to go to his death on a cross so that anyone who trusts in him could, like Abraham, have their faith counted to them as righteousness. In Jesus, we have one who has saved countless lives down the ages and across the world and added them to the family of faith. Right now, at this very moment, the number of people on our planet who call themselves Christians sits at around 2.2 billion, and it is growing every day. A childless old man trusted God in the face of seemingly insurmountable odds, and that promise is being fulfilled as we speak. When we feel overwhelmed, when our circumstances are such that we are full of fear, we need to lift our eyes to see the God who is able to do far more than we could ask or think. The God who brings a sure and certain eternal hope, even when our momentary circumstances may seem hopeless. The God whose whose promises are far more wonderful than we could ever imagine. Promises that we will only fully appreciate when we one day see our Savior face to face. So until then, When we feel stressed and overwhelmed, when we are tempted to fear, have faith, trust in the Lord whose promises are sure. The God who promises to provide for and to protect his people so that nothing, not even death, can ultimately separate us from his love. As Paul says in Romans chapter 8, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the God that we believe in the God of our father Abraham, the man of faith. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we praise and thank you that your promises are sure, that, that even when our circumstances might seem uh, hopeless or uh, our, our, our future may be full of uncertainty, we praise you and thank you for this, this glorious picture that as you promised Abraham that his descendants would be like the stars. Here we are today amongst billions of others who are descendants of Abraham because of their faith in the Lord Jesus. Lord, we praise you that, that you have worked out your good purpose and plan through Abraham, that you have fulfilled those promises in the Lord Jesus Lord, as he looked forward and trusted, we praise you that we can look back to the cross and trust that what the Lord Jesus has done has paid the penalty for our sin, that we might know what it is to be forgiven and look forward to that glorious hope of eternal life. We thank you that you provide for us, that you protect us. And Lord, so as we come to this table to take bread and wine, we pray that that you would remind us anew, refresh us by your spirit and strengthen our faith as we come and remember your goodness and grace in Christ. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.